Gaming in BS episode 168 coming to you Wednesday, December 6th, 2017. Welcome to Gaming in BS Tabletop RPG podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I am Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, folks. Glad to have you all on board. Sean, how the hell are you, man? I cannot complain, Brett. How are you? That is good. This um this week at work, as I was telling you off the mics, I don't want to get into the details. It should be interesting come Friday. We'll see what happens. Well, you can't just uh, we'll put that out there for people that don't know what you're talking about. Of course I can. I'm a dick. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll, uh, just remember, once, listeners, once, uh, things, who's once... your favorite? Just remember. <laughs> No, it's big stuff. Big, big things. I've got big things. No, I'm kidding. Should be interesting. It'll be a busy week. Busy, busy. Brett's going to become CEO. But, yes. Yeah. CEO. Of, uh, of, 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 of being unemployed. <laughs> if I, yeah, I couldn't do that job. I don't want to do that job. I see my buddy doing that job and it sucks. Anyway, um, so... We have one more time. We mentioned on social media, we mentioned the last episode, but in case somebody does grab this um, because they're skipping around for some bizarre reason, they're doing like I think Mr. Sky Slayton going backwards. What the hell they're doing that for? I don't know. Uh, anyhow, we are moving. Our drop date is no longer Tuesday. It is now Wednesday. Sean, have you felt better? About oh, my that? God. I feel so much you- better. Does it a little extra stretch? A little stretch time between. Yeah. It's yeah. Good. Good. Sean's getting older. He doesn't edit as quick as he used to, losing a little bit of hearing. This helps him catch up. You you say something. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff to edit from Sean. Anyway, um, speaking of fun stuff, Evercon 2018, that is January 5, 6, and 7 of this next month. For God's sakes, it is December already. Um, We've got submissions and pre-reg still open. My partners and I decided we're going to extend it to... December 17th, we were going to cut it off on December 1st, but we started to have a pretty decent influx of people saying, hey, I've got some stuff. Can I please get in? Oh, I'm almost ready. Can I? So we said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to move it out. So we got some really cool stuff coming up in at the show. We've got a chess tournament, um, which is a Badger State Games medal event, Ticket to Ride Badger State event. Our uh, friend and listener of the show, Chad Knight, and another buddy of mine, they are running a Call of Cthulhu RPG tournament. Three Magic Gathering tournaments. Alex Kammer from Gamehole Con fame is going to be running Queen of the Demonwood Pits and Death's Ride, both 5e games. He's taking Queen of the Demonwood Pits, Sean, and 5e. So, yeah, I <laughs> if I could, if I didn't have to run the damn con, that's where I would be. Anyway, so that's going on. Um, hopefully, we've got some other folks. I'm going to be reaching out to some of the DCC crew that I know. Thanks to Forrest and Gary and a few others and see if we can get some of those folks there. I know Corey Wynn and a bunch of others from our listenership should hopefully arrive. Chris Steele and his lovely wife are planning to be there. So uh should be fun. And now, if only I could get my partner there, then yeah. that'd be good. I'm just going to shame him. Who's this partner you're talking about? And why are you screwing around on me, Brett? <laughs> hey, there it is. All right. Anyway. And oh, uh, we have a correction. What did we do wrong? What did, what did we do? I said that it was Eric Farmer. Who provided us a provided an outline on the West Marches and thoughts and feedback to me a document, but it was Eric Frankhouse 
I don't know how I could get the two mixed up, except for the fact that they both have the first name Eric and both last names start with F. And as I said earlier, Sean, and they both have older. very distinguished or uh, distinguished uh, beards, facial hair, both facial of them. hair. Yes, like they may be yes. just related, and I could just—that's, I mean, very easy to confuse. <laughs> I think they're both really cool. They're both really yeah, cool. They're gamers, gamers too. too. So. Oh my god, it's like crazy. It's like it's like just one never person. ends those similarities. Anyway, so on behalf of Sean and myself, Oops. sorry, yeah. Eric and Eric. Neither one corrected us, that. so neither one must have listened to the episode. Actually, Frank oh. House did. He sent me the text, and he said, it's Frank Ooh. House, not Farmer, Whoops. you assholes. I mean, he may or may not have said oh, the last part. Good. I don't remember. But, uh, yeah. Want to give credit where credit's me. due? Hey, we're not, uh, we're not above correcting ourselves. Oh, no. We've been wrong before, and what? we'll probably be wrong again. By the end of the show, no. we'll probably be wrong. I don't think we have any more announcements, Sean. Shall we move into the randomness? Random encounter. All right. What? We got a lot this week. Holy crap, we do. Angela Murray, she writes in first off and says, Hey, Brett and Sean, with as crazy as October and November were, I fell behind in your episodes. Ange, Ange, it's okay. It's okay. We forgive you. She carries on and says, I've finally caught up, though. What, caught in? No, she does not say that. She uses proper English. She says, I have finally caught up, though. On length, uh, on length of time for online games, to quote the incomparable Sean, it depends. My friend, Jen, uh, at Jen Pixelscapes, uh, ran a D&D campaign for six players, and we often went about uh, five hours. It was a Friday night, though, so it was easier to just go late if we wanted to. Conversely, I play in a Monday afternoon game with three other folks, and I found that setting a time limit of three hours generally works best for me. I imagine the right balance is going to be different for every group. Sorry, my insight isn't particularly astute on this subject. But, I mean, that's, it's another point of reference, uh, Ange, so yeah. that's really cool stuff. And she goes on to say, on setting a game night versus day, oh man, that can make a huge difference. Having played in in an early iteration of the Iron Shoes, I can say that it would have totally been creepier and more intense if it had been set at night. It was pretty scary as it was, but having us face the problem during the dark would have made it so much more. I try and be mindful of the time in games to help set the right tone. In the Stranger Things inspired bubble gumshoe game I've run, I started off in the morning just so the kids are headed to school. I've run this game five times now. And in most cases, the kids realize that they need to start investigating things around lunchtime and either skip the rest of school or wait until the last bell before starting their investigating. Um, this usually means that they get, uh, the, they get to the creepy places of interest around dusk. Having them get to their uh, either spot um, as it's getting dark helps ratchet up the tension quite nicely. One session bucked this trend, though, and decided to skip cool school completely. Oh, those derelicts. And uh, start investigating first thing in the morning. This made things a little more challenging because the timing was off um, when they could come across certain clues from NPCs uh, differently. They ended up getting to the creepy locations during daylight and lost some of the feel I was going for. Not completely, but enough that I kept in mind for later sessions to make sure they ended up at school and didn't skip classes until after lunch. Thanks again for an awesome podcast, Anj. Thank you, Anj. Yes. Thank you, as always. Check out Angela, uh, uh, the gnome stew, if you'd like to get some more from her. Absolutely. And she hosts the uh, the gnome stew podcast, too. So 
You want to hear some of her wisdom? That's a good place to Crim you. fan comments on our site. Been a while since I've been able to listen to the show. Anyway, this is a good topic, though. I hope you guys do more on the horror without stereotypes, like how to make horror happen in daylight and how to integrate it into a regular game. Hint, hint. So some reacts to the topic. Don't all fight to the death being a huge one, especially for DMs who grew up on video games where foes almost always do. Try insofar as possible to stay in character. Nothing kills RP in combat like excessive and or disproportionate turn length. Friendly fire can be good a good dilemma and RP moment. Situations like having to drop the bomb on a bunch of enemies, but where you'll clip or even drop an ally to drop more enemies of 10 make for good RP, though you have to know your group well. If you're the DM, encourage people to take chances or do things like make skill checks that seem like they're a waste compared to whatever a character is optimized for. One big thing is the fact that the action economy, especially for modern games, really punishes a lot of chance-taking. If the DM wants the players to do something clever, the players usually need to feel that it's actually possible. Use foes that are a little off-book that make things thematic. Recently, I've been using carnivorous apes and various elevated ones. More or less statistically, they're the same as the several classic monsters but I can make allusions to Planet of the Apes, and I make sure they behave somewhat ape-like or else totally counter to it, such as Ape Romney, who is clearly civilized, honorable, and trying his best to serve a bad master, a cloud giant wizard, who is one of their current foils. He started as Ape in a Robe with Executive Hair, and I really couldn't think of a better example than good old Mittens or for Executive Hair. Oh my god. <laughs> as for as to Monologue, yeah, he's showing up in something I'm using soon. Maybe Ape Romney's name will actually be Monologue. <laughs> Very well done, Crimp fan. I hope Monologue uh is the most feared of all your NPCs that you the player characters have ever, ever encountered in their gaming history. I hope so as well. All right, next up, we've got some comments in All in the Family on G+, from Rasher, DM Neal, Jim Fitzpatrick, Thomas Hook, Edwin, Carlin, Eddie, and Sky. So, Mr. Rasher, Jared starts off with, from a mechanics point of view, I really wish um, I like Worlds in Peril, a Power Play Apocalypse Supers game, more than I do, because I like how bonds work in that game. You can spend bonds while playing, and you can replenish bonds by reestablishing that con- connection. So Peter Parker could spend bonds to represent the strength Aunt May or Mary Jane gives him, but to replenish those bonds used again later, he'd have to get, uh, go to dinner with Aunt May or take Mary Jane out on a date. In my games, I've had family come up a few times. In my DC Adventures game, I had one character that had a mysterious past and was <coughs> excuse me, raised on an island by Cersei. And when the character and another character in the group met the character, the later character's mother, it appeared to be the same person. They found out later their mothers were twins, but the reaction between them when they found out uh, they may have been brothers was great. They already had a history of butting heads in the game. In that same game, a character who was a private investigator that gained superpowers had a daughter with an ex-wife. After his identity became public knowledge, the daughter moved into the the hero compound, and the ex-wife wrote a tell-all book about their marriage. (laughs) Oh, lovely. In two different Star Wars games, we had ongoing family story develop. One character was a hotshot Corellian pilot, 
who was part of the rebellion. Someone made an offhand comment about his sister. And the backstory grew that his sister was a highly decorated Imperial pilot that graduated top of her class. The family saw the rebel pilot as the underachiever of the family. There were running jokes about finding graduation hollows of the sister with a rebel pilot cropped out of them. And people would constantly make comments about how awesome his sister was. <laughs> That's just brutal. Later, ran an Imperial campaign. That same player made the sister as a PC, and she was assigned to pilot a pair of Inquisitors, a bounty hunter employed by the Inqui- Inquisitorius, and a droid around um, to their assigned duties. While the campaign didn't last long, the running joke was that she was an excellent pilot and, and got a top assignment, and the Inquisitors ended up spending most of their time on the local mosque court instead of flying around, and she was extremely frustrated not being assigned to a fighter wing or some other action-oriented detail. DM now the family in peril fear has infected my players for years in my recent shadow of the demon Lord campaign. I made it a point to not use the player's family as a plot hook. You know, DM now that's something that's as I've joked about the dead babies thing many times over these past hundred plus episodes, it can get overused right quick. So sometimes it, you almost got to make yourself that sticky note, put it on the back of your screen, somewhere on the table that says, do not fuck with their family. This <laughs> is a reminder. At least that's what I got to do. Um, you got to read the next Jim one. Jim Fitzpatrick, so much to unpack in this episode. He says, I thought it would have been so meta if Brett threatened Sean's family or mentor to get him to start the West March's campaign. That's this episode, Jim. Well, just wait. <laughs> It's not over yet, Jimbo. I think one thing I realized I have to do in my own GMing is when a player says they want me to bring a part of their background, bring in a part of their background, I should immediately respond with how. When we don't know what the PC and their family's relationship is like, then we fall back on crappy tropes. Knowing how to use the relationship between the character and their family and also occasionally threaten that relationship is a great way to provide meaningful opportunities in play. If the player answers your question of how with a dunno, then they need to work harder and come back when they have a better idea. Listening to Sean talk about analysis paralysis and his campaign hesitancy also made me wonder if we all have this weird fear as RPG players that what makes what matters to us doesn't matter to other people and we're hesitant to jump into things with both feet because we're afraid they may might fall flat. Do the West Marches thing. Do it. Do it. Just. <laughs> Thomas hook. I have used a uh, family of the PCs for a long time, but only if the players are into that. One time I asked for some background from players on the PCs, and one player gave me a really nice short story about the mother and how the PC was raised without the father around. Then he added how the father was of the unsavory sort, and I was able to include this in the storyline. And in the end, the PC got to encounter his father and had to defeat him in battle to save a village. It worked nicely within the storyline. One of the other players asked why I didn't do the same for him as well as the other PCs. My reply was easy. (laughs) That player was the only one to give me any player background on their character. Hey, you. (laughs) <laughs> this is the guy. I mean, that's just perfect. That's a great answer, Thomas. Thomas goes on. Uh, so the players now know that um, they're into this part of the game will often give me plenty of information to work with. Those who really don't care, don't worry about it. I love that. Well, how come he got more than me? I asked for stuff and he gave me stuff to use. That's why. Oh, oh well, yeah, oh, okay. that is kind of on that's me. Good. That's kind well, of my I'll fault get, then. I'll get you something. I love it. Edwin! <laughs> 
Listening to the Family Ties episode, I was thinking about the Call of Cthulhu cliche of a dead uncle that leaves the PCs a house or a letter or whatever, and how family might cause trouble without being negative. So your sibling is getting married somewhere. This is a way to pull the party to a part of the world that might be interesting or to introduce them to characters that have quests or info to hand out, even without going down the path of the new in-law being evil or possessed or whatever. Similarly, Brett's comment about how he always takes away wealth and fame made me wonder if it could be more fun to let them keep it, but make it hamper their life. A public figure gets a lot of attention for things they do or did, as we are seeing in the news. And fame, of course, comes with its own problems and more importantly, adventure hooks. Your servant reports seeing some strange creature around the sewer out out fall of your mansion. All the servants saw it and quit. Maybe that's the question. How to use the backstory as hooks without necessarily making it a burden or painful. Ah. On another note, I was tempted to interlace the comment above with another comment, splitting every other line as re- as revenge for my attempt to listen to the higher episode. Serious sand hit on that one. Uh, keep up the great shows, Edwin. <laughs> So Edwin, I have done that actually in the past. My, as I was saying earlier, one of my um, flaws as game masters is the overuse of "Hey, you've got something I want to take it away from you or hurt you with it." Um, I did. I had a player one time who wanted to make a pro football player, Chicago Bear. We're playing Chicago, this vampire game, and he was kind of he wanted to have all this fame and stuff. So the problem was, I didn't take it away from him. I used it against him constantly. By every time he went anywhere, there was paparazzi, there were people following him. How come he wasn't playing? Where's this? Where's that? And it got wonkier and wonkier for him. And eventually he had, uh, he was came up to me goes, How do I get rid of these points in fame? <laughs> He's like, What do I do to make this go away, Brett? I'm like, Oh, I don't know, Gary. Let's see how we yeah, can do this. Edwin, Edwin, brings, uh, up, no, Edwin no, brings up a big, a nice one. Like, maybe you don't have to hit him, like, leverage some alternative negative piece and take it away from them to make it a pain in the ass sometimes just turn, turn up to up. 11 oh right? you want to be famous wow sounds good oh you're i'm a world famous brain surgeon good guess who calls you every fucking week some really rich person who's got a charity thing they want you to do ever some school wants you to run blah 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 oh my god yeah it can happen it can totally happen all right <clears throat> You know, Sean. I'll be as we're as I'm looking ahead here. I think did somebody write in and say, give a hey Brett? What's I think I saw a somebody wrote in and said Brett, what the hell's wrong with you? Why are you torture your people like that? I think I saw an email or something on that. I'll have to see if I can find that because it was pretty damn funny. You obviously didn't see it. Uh, it might have been a comment, but I don't know if it was. I mean, I don't okay. know how I would have fit that in. Like, yeah. hey Brett, quick torture people. Like, That's okay. That's <laughs> kind what of the hell's wrong with you? One. Yeah. It's kind of a standard one, true. What the, hell, what the hell is wrong with you anyway? All right, yeah, that's a fair point. All right, Carlin of the Hill people, Kendrick. <clears throat> I think that it's not just family members, but players having any NPCs attached to the characters is almost like an unspoken taboo. But I feel like the difference lays with a familiar GM and an unfamiliar GM. We are more comfortable with one GM handling your backstory to forward the, to forward the overall story, and the other GM, you're worried they'll just take a big fat dump on your character's past just for the luz. Um... I've started including a line in my session zero about who do you care about and why are they important to you? It usually indicates to me which players 
want that meaningful interaction with the NPC, which don't when they put something very broad like the Emperor and all he commands. Hmm, true enough. As a side as a side treat here is a link to a recent video uh, by the YouTube channel Just Right, where they talk about what makes good characters compelling and how it comes down to an open wound that hovers over the character. We have a link in the show notes to the little YouTube that he's got there. Kind of cool. Eddie? I, and Carlin, Carl I was going to say, I do, as a parting shot there, I think you're absolutely right there. The familiarity with the Game Master and the other players and the worry, I think that's definitely that's definitely true. That definitely put play in there. Sorry, carry on, Chuck. It's definitely true as in Brett's always going to screw with us. Yes, yes, that's true, too. <laughs> Eddie, I've never had my players get too excited about including family in my 5e campaign, but when we played Masks, it was all but impossible to keep such considerations out of the game. One of the major stories ended up being the reveal that one of the recurring baddies was the brother of one of the team members. Nice. Uh, I have not played Masks. I do not know much about it other than that it's like Teen Titans, um, young superheroes. And from listening to Misdirected Mark with Phil and Chris, what they're talking about, how they've done it, uh, assuming that they're doing it right because they're good gamers and they know what the hell they're doing, this makes sense, Eddie. I could totally see that happening. That's a really cool way for the other recurring bad guy be really deeply involved like that. That's cool. All right, Sky Slayton wrote in. It's a great episode. When I developed the backstories with my players for my Rise of Orion campaign, they came up with a few different family stories, although there were three orphans. <laughs> I have taken what that I've taken what the players decided and then twisted what they didn't say to fit my campaign. Example one, two PCs are brothers. They decided that their parents died while one was away. I talked with uh, I, I talked with the at home brother to find out what happened. Bandit raid, and they put the villagers in the inn and set it on fire, unidentifiable bodies. My twist, later in the game, they came upon their wounded father and found out that he and their mother escaped the raid, and the bandits were actually dragon cultists looking for a special ring the family had. That's kind of cool, mistaken identity. Oh my god, my parents must have died. Oh shit, they're alive. What do you do with that? Example two, Dragonborn Paladin's clan was slaughtered by a dragon cult cleansing force. Baby PC was saved by his older, quote-unquote, brother. The players left the group to start DMing a local game. We killed his character off. He also had one of the special rings. My twist... The party will encounter his brother, who is now working for the cult and has a magic possession <gasps> of the ring. Nice. Um, I, he also writes about his email, specifically his Google Sheets backstory request. Not all the players take me up on it. Um, I have two storyteller type players, and they're the ones who, who use it. And it's actually more of a way to focus their imaginations. Otherwise, I would get three to four pages to sift through. The PowerPoint itself is a request, not a requirement. And they give them the template attached so they don't have much much work to do. So that it goes back to Sky talked about um, giving some homework to his players. And we were telling him it's a damn good idea because sometimes it's fun to make your players do some work for you. Um, the idea of uh, PowerPoint that he had in the last episode when we talked about it. So a little extra color around it. Thank you, Sky. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for writing in, commenting, uh, tuning in, and supplying your own take on things. We appreciate it hopefully other listeners have also take nuggets of it back to their own groups and see what happens let's get to the main topic brett let's jump in yeah boy so sean have you started your west i have not started my west marches game yet no 
All right, let's find out what the fuck your problem is. Um, <laughs> let me get, let me, let, me get on, uh, let me get on the couch. As Dennis Lear would say, life's tough. Get a fucking helmet. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a hard time starting, starting a campaign. Shut the fuck up. Next. Anyway. Um, Buck up, little camper. It'll be okay. Everyone will still love you, even if you suck at it. It can't be that bad. I'm not worried about my <laughs> performance, Brett. Well, that's good. That's good. You've been practicing a lot at home, well, so I'm sure it'll be fine. That was an odd innuendo. I'm not sure what that refers to. Anyway, so this isn't just a bag on uh, Sean, although that is indeed a good time. Um, so the West Marches game doesn't even have to be West Marches game. I, I think about some of the things in my head over the years. I'm like, oh, this would be a really cool campaign. I hear that a ton of times from people. Oh, I've got this really cool campaign idea. Oh, you're going to do that? I, I got to get some coffee. Be right back. Um, so let's talk about some roadblocks. So, Sean, one of the things that when I was noodling <coughs> on your problem, I thought of um, one of the things you said last time was that it felt like you, perhaps even in your own head, were overcomplicating things. Do you think that's possible? Do you think you're making things harder than they need to be? Yes. Yes? Good. Good. <laughs> we're getting somewhere. This is good. This is progress. Admitting uh. mistakes. Um. Do you feel that you're like cornering yourself or forcing yourself to hold true to a certain dogma or style of play that you're unable to break from? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good. Are you worried about failing, Sean? Is oh that your God, problem? This is I can't believe I'm subjecting <laughs> myself to this. Uh, I don't think it's about failing. So if it's not about failing, what's the, what's, what's your problem? <laughs> Uh, that what is my problem indeed the ultimate the ultimate so, question so to, to drop the tongue in cheek a little bit when um one of the things you you mentioned was you know you've got kind of the analysis paralysis and the overcomplication components of it and i honestly think from people i've talked to over the years and uh even my son when he was um at uh he's he's air force and he's starting dnd games up with his friends and stuff and he said it was amazing how he said, Dad, guys want to play, but like, well, I don't want to run. Oh, I, uh, everyone had a thousand reasons not to be the one to start the thing. As soon as he said, fine, I'll game master, boom, he had players coming out of the woodwork um, who, wanted, who wanted to game with him just because they wanted to either try it because they've never done it before or they just had and they knew it would be fun. Well, so and I told him, I said, people, people complicate the hell out of running a game sometimes and they or they think there's a lot of work to it or for campaign setup. So what's um what's uh what what are you thinking? Well here? I was what, gonna going say on? why why don't those guys want to run? What's like the issue? I think a lot of I think a lot of reason well I can't say for sure. It's not everybody but you know I think sometimes players want to play because they may Think like it's a royal pain in the ass to GM. Yeah, that's that's that can be very true, and I think that comes to the overcomplicated component. People are feeling that there's so much that you have to do. It's this very <clears throat> time-consuming, heavy-duty thing, and then if and then they're feeling forced or cornered um, to a certain style, or, or oh, if I start going down X path, I have no choice, and if it sucks, then it's no good. Then I scrap it and start yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it right there. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. That's my problem. <laughs> oh, wow. You're a liar. <laughs> um, so I'll tell you, 
and this isn't I'm not just picking on you, Sean, although, as I okay. said, that is fun. <clears throat> One of the things that I've <laughs> that I do in my day job is um, I've got to bring stuff to a CIO and say, hey, buddy, here's a here's a problem. And this is what I need to do to fix it. So on and so forth. And one of the things I'm getting hit with regularly, and I think this is a Six Sigma type thing. I'm not a huge Six Sigma guy, not quite 100% up on it. But uh, the concept of the problem statement, something that says, what is the goal? What are you actually trying to solve? What are you trying to accomplish here? Problem in uh, my IT world is more of the, you know, what, <clears throat> what am I trying to fix here? Trying to fix a technical problem, trying to fix a problem for the business. You're trying to fix a scheduling concern. You're trying to fix a thing. Um, we think back to the West Marches component. One of the things that that helps to fix is the, um, I have a lot of people who I want to play with or want to play with me. Um, it fixes the fact that I can't game master 15 different groups. Um, scheduling can be a pain in the ass. It helps to fix that. And also helps to fix the fact that sometimes players show up uninterested or uninvolved. So, all of those things, am I right, Sean, that from at least the reason that the West Marches appeals to you is that's all the same stuff, right? You've got a larger group of people or a number of different people. Are you focusing more on it fixing the scheduling component of, of it for you or what piece of it are you trying to get it to solve for you? Uh, I like the I like the format of the players driving some of that versus sitting down. I think I could go either way, but the traditional reading a module coming up with story arc and then presenting it to the players. Um, I would rather have them tell me like, Hey, we're going to go and venture over here where you tell us there's a, there's rumored to be a temple. Okay, great. Now I can react to that versus them reacting to me. In which case you want to, you want to, you want to sow the seeds, have them pick the ones they want. Yeah, and I could do that with a small group. I could do it with a five-player group that meets every week. But then I don't get to play with multiple people and uh, whatever that is. Sure. Okay. So one of the other pieces I learned, um, this is an old philosophical component I learned in in college, was the Occam's Razor. Occam. Uh, Occam's razors is basically the idea of you hack off a superfluous part of an argument. The simplest solution is usually the best. So if you look at this, one of the things that people do when they overcomplicate stuff generally is they assume, well, <clears throat> there's a formula that West Marches has. Let's use that. And I need to make sure I adhere to all of those things. You need to have this wide open schedule. People need to be able to do whatever they want. And, and the fact is <clears throat> that if the simplest option is say, look, you know, Sean or Brett, if I'm running it, I could say, look, I could play every other Wednesday and that's it. That's the only days I'm available to run a game. That's fine. I mean, even no matter what you do, you can provide parameters for your players that they get to choose from. Instead of a absolute a la carte any day of the week, uh, every month is fine. I think it would be totally fine for you from a scheduling perspective to say, look, um, I only want to deal with up to 10 players because I think that seems like a decent enough number I can handle. And we would only play on Wednesdays from this time the, <clears throat> from this time to this time on Wednesdays are the only time I'm free to do this. It kind of, it feels almost in a way that it goes against the West March's approach and trying to have this kind of wide open or, or whatever perspective, but at least that's the, these are the standard days we can play. I think that might be helpful. Does that, 
does that sound helpful to you or do you think that's am I making up shit and that you don't care about it? <laughs> Sean's face right now is awesome. Um You're just ignoring me, aren't you? Yeah, what'd you say for the last five minutes? No. I've listened. But vaguely. I think that's very <laughs> I think that's I think that's oversimplifying things, man. But yes, I could so I could why? simply I could yes, you're right. I could simply sit down and say, I'm gonna run this campaign, here is the deal, and where I only have time to run every other Wednesday. And if you're interested, here's the sign up sheet. We're only tech taking ten people. Have a nice day. See, talk to you in like so, two or three weeks. So why what what makes you not want to do that? Well, there's been some people that have approached me that said, hey, I'm interested in this and I would be in on the GM basis. I'd like to be a part of that okay. as a game master. Oh, okay. So you could take a world, you could meet with those game masters, say three of you, and hack hack the world into quadrants. This third is yours, this third is yours, and this third is mine. Any adventures in this place are mine. Yep. Yes, I could. Yes, I but, could. So I guess. Yeah. The, the question here when it comes to this, the Occam's Razor idea is basically, what are you doing that's that's making you think that's overly complicated? What makes you not be able to just make a decision? I think there's a lot <laughs> of things that I keep thinking of. Whenever I throw something that's in the mix. So if I say, hey, we're going to play every two weeks and it's going to be Wednesday and we're going to start at seven o'clock and we're going to use roll 20. Then everybody's like, great, that's fine. And I say 10 people. Then what happens is what happens when all 10 people want to play on the same night? Okay, so there's a problem. So I look at the next step like, okay, that's a problem. Or is that enough or frequency time? to get enough people in and out. So playing with four people one week, two weeks later, another three or five people, maybe two from the previous session. And then if you throw in Mm -hmm. multiple game masters, one of the things may come down to when can they run? And then how do I coordinate the meta? And then also... What happens when you get players that are like, well, I just, I really, cause this will probably happen. Like I, I think Sean's a good guy, but I don't want to play with, with, <laughs> with, with him. So then what happens is you get these thin, cause West Marshes man should not be five different groups. That's what the whole purpose is. You got to intermix. Yes. Otherwise you are GDMing so, five different what. player groups. Right now, you're thinking of things that might yes. happen. You have no. Oh, I know. It yeah, will. And what, what you it have will. to. It, They'll have it. No, you say it will, will. But until it's. <laughs> so here's what I have to tell people at work for me all the time. I get PMs will come to me like, oh, my God, on this project. But what if, what if, what if? I, what? And I used to look at my son, my oldest boy, when he was oh, much yeah. younger. He'd say, what if this? What if this? I say, Connor, what if you're an <gasps> elephant? Well, oh, my God. Say, what? what if he's I an said, elephant? Then, the Air Force has an elephant. I said, now you got to worry about ivory hunters and poachers and craziness. He's like, but I'm not. I said, but yeah, but what if the whole world changed? You became an elephant, like right now. But what? You, I said, it doesn't you fucking are, matter. You are, man, 
you're like father knows best over there, man. Your your words of wisdom are like <laughs> no. I would I would be like, what the? He's gonna be what the fuck is wrong he's with you, grow old up man? And he's gonna be like he's gonna be like fifty or forty years old, and he's gonna be talking to his own kid, and it'll be like just like my dad told me one time. What if you're an elephant? What if you're an and the kid's gonna be like, what the fuck is he talking about? Fuck it. Oh God, he got that from Grandpa. Oh my God, Grandpa's so stupid. That's right. <clears throat> The point of that statement, though, is that you can't, when you're planning something like this, my perspective is that if I were you and I'm going to do it, I would start small. If you say, I would like to get to 10 people, I would start with six. Say, you know what? We'll have three people play at a time. We'll have six players. I would like to possibly entertain Game Masters, additional ones, but I don't know how this is going to work yet. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to run under this format, this small, simplified format, for two months, for three months, pick a timeline. Then we're going to get back together and say, how's it going? What do you like? What don't you like? You know, I'm thinking of doing now. We got a good cadence here. I'm going to add a game master and two more players. You can break this into bite-sized chunks. So speaking of elephants, the other elephant stories, of course, how do you, how do you eat an elephant? Yeah. Obviously answers one bite at a time. So you've got to take the thing and you've got to break it into chunks. Now, Sean's just laughing I, at me because music. <laughs> I don't know how I got through life without talking to you, Brett. Why don't you shut up? <laughs> making me know. Yeah, this is why you. This is why we record an hour apart from each other because I'd hit him with the DMG right now. Because honestly, I mean, I jokingly have said this before, but there's no gamer cop, right? No game. No West Marches police are going to show up until you did it wrong. You can twist it however you want, but my opinion is, I think <clears throat> what people should do. We have these grand ideas. I've had amazingly really kick-ass ideas. I was going to have this dual DM thing. It was going to be really, really cool. And my buddy um, Dave Schneider and I sat down and said, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to try this. We're going to use the hero system. It's going to be fucking awesome. We sat down and it was a goddamn failure. It completely blew up on us. We're going to split Game Master it, and it just didn't work. So we scrapped it and moved on to something else. (sighs) Then I've, I've tried other big um, kind of massive campaign ideas. And I usually had, they were either hit or miss. They started off well and they worked out or not. So now what I start to do when I, when I set these types of things up, even my current Warhammer campaign, I have the potential for it to be a big earth shattering. Holy shit. Oh my fucking God. This thing just happened. Epic thing, but it's going to depend on how the game itself goes. <clears throat> do we change it up? Do we, travel across the ocean do we do something else i have no intention of them currently leaving this certain area but things could change you could do the same thing with your structure honestly i think the theme of the west marches that you really enjoy you know multiple players cycling in and out players picking dates that they can play a couple different characters in play that's the the core theme to stick with I do it for a certain amount of time and say hey after we have Six players, I'm picking that number out of my pocket, six players have all their characters have advanced to third level or second level. Say, hey, we've gone a level. I think we got the swing of this thing. You know, Farmer says he'd like to game master. Frank House says he wants to game master. <clears throat> or somebody else does. Or Ange says she wants to do it. Great. Hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to inject Ange, and she's going to handle you guys because you already talked about you want to go to the you know the dead marshes and deal with the you know mind mage that happens to live there oh okay so eileen's got that oh cool that'd be great yeah new game master she's gonna run that piece we'll see how it goes 
and then start yourself off like that and then break it into digestible pieces. Are you even listening to me, man? <laughs> I'm And I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm just talking aloud to to you to see because this is what's been going on in my head since we talked about this last time i don't know if this makes any sense to you if you think i'm full of shit and there's a ton of holes in what i'm telling you or what do you well think? there's a, a combination of answers to those questions brett <laughs> i know i'd like start somewhere and tell me what you think you dick i think this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna solicit 10 people and i'm gonna um, 10, yeah, people. 10 people all right so i'm gonna write this Got down because this is recorded, but I don't want to take notes again. <laughs> exactly. So, Gil, okay, 10 people. 10 yeah, players. 10 players. And if anybody outside of that 10 players game want a game master. So I know the Frank House has expressed the interest. Mm-hmm. Did you? I had, yeah. Okay, so Brett. So I better write these down. Brett and Eric F., but not farmer. Correct. Um, and then I think, I don't know if Hobbs wanted a DM or not. I, he ex- Well, just, just leave it with those three. So we've got 10 players and potential three game masters. That are the three GMs in right away? You were talking about so that. So then what I'm going to create the standard that the format or the, the method or the platform of choice will be roll 20. Got it. Unless, of course, there's some crazy, silly, awesome app that's better than Roll20, maybe Discord. I don't know. Okay, right? Say Roll20. See, the thing is, it's got to be consistent. Because if it's like, well, one DM's like, oh, I like Hangouts. Does everybody else like Hangouts? Then it's going to like get this weird freaking dynamic where... No, th- this is why this is why I do the Occam's Razor thing. No, fuck it. It's okay. roll 20. You say we're going to start with roll 20. If after X number of sessions, everybody goes, I want Discord. Everyone says, fuck this. I want Fantasy Grounds. You have that discussion at a later time. But roll 20 does a number of things for you. You have access. Your character sheet is on there. All this stuff is there. That helps. This is good. You got a standard. Okay, right. keep going. So roll 20. Then it's going to be a, I have to get a map, like a, some kind of treasure map. Shared amongst everybody. So sharing will be, I don't know if it's going to be Google Plus. I haven't decided how to share things. Amongst players and game masters. Could, could. So my, my, I would honestly use a Google Plus. I build two communities, one for everybody. Players and game masters have access. And um, then one for game masters only. If you're going to entertain having multiple game masters out of the gate, that way GMs have a chance to get in a group, plot, plan, and figure out how to do different things together. And another one is the main one where everybody who's playing gets to throw in and say, hey, as uh, we talked about in the West Marshes episode, we found this clue. I'm really interested in blah, blah, blah. So that that would be what I would do. Carry on. Then there's going to be a single setting. Right. So it's going to be here's the town. This is the town name, town size. Nothing happens in the town. Blah. And then some stipulations for game masters like, hey, you can make up whatever you want. You know, and, and take the players anywhere you want. And then the players will be able to make up at minimum to, I would say, the amount of player characters that they can have 
should match the number of game masters. Number of players they should have. Should have. So okay. if there's three game masters, they can have three up to three characters. They don't have to. They don't okay. have to. Three game, three characters, and keeping in mind that they're all going to level up differently. Right, Fair so enough. you're not going to get XP, and then you're going to put XP across all three, regardless. It's going to always be whatever player character that player chooses for that particular adventure with that particular game master. They could take that player character and play that player character in another game master's session. No big deal, no restrictions, as long as they're not tied mm-hmm. up. That's another thing we might want to talk about: is what what if they're tied up with another session or not? Like, is everything real time or is it? Um, do things happen in a non-linear fashion, right? So, I so this is so this this may this is going to ask me why do you want to have multiple game masters out of the gate? Well, I think some want to do it, and I could give a shit if they want to or not. Okay, so the other component is from a that's one of those problems that may happen, but you have to solve it right now. I do. Do you? I don't I'm know. Asking you. I feel compelled to. So, so restate the problem. What's the issue? The issue is what happens when you have a player character that is mm-hmm. running in Sean's session, and for whatever mm-hmm. reason, they don't finish to go back to town, and then they want to play the same player character in the next session, or yeah, but that that player is out. That player character is out and about, out in a boot, out in a boot, as our some of our Canuckian friends may say. So basically, Brett's character, you know, Throndor the Mighty, my dwarf, is doing something in Sean's game, and we're not done. The camp, that particular, it doesn't last more than the four hours we were going to play. And I want to take, and I want to do something with that character in a different campaign? Different session. Different session of with you or with the, I mean, when I say campaign, I'm like, okay, so different session is we're not continuing the the tunnel, the, the the tomb of the troll king. We're moving to a, the you know crypts of hey, the. As far lich. as I'm is concerned, the way I would do this is Sean would run and say they want to go to the temple, the the ruins of the temple mighty, whatever. Okay. And we start and we go and they don't finish in the four hours. Got it. Okay. Fast forward two more weeks. Person only has one character. Do you and they want to play the other character? Or maybe they think they have to. Maybe they, it's the only one they have. Now somebody could say, no, 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 you can make up another one. They go, oh, okay, then I'll do that. See, my my thought would be from a continuity perspective, if you have three different game masters, yeah. every player should have three different characters. Right, but they shouldn't. it shouldn't matter where they play them. It shouldn't. However, if, if you get tied, if Throndor the Mighty, my character, is tied into the the tomb that you just talked yes. about, then he's then he's tied yes. there until that story ends. I, that's I concur. Agreed. Okay. So okay, that there makes sense. That okay. makes sense. That yeah. makes sense. So as long we as players that. were aware of that, and then they will have to probably what will end up probably happening is you'll have four or five players in that particular story at the temple. They don't finish. Week go a couple weeks go by. A couple of those players are available. They play in Bratz. They can't use the same character. Not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But getting back to that session may be tricky. Then it's a matter of like, well, do we set 
as long as three of the five are available or four of the five are available. No big deal. We catch that last outlier up with the story. I don't know. Or do you have to get the same exact group together again to finish it? That may be tricky because some people can't. I mean, this may be. So Hobbs was always saying, like, just do a drop in, drop out. You do drop in, drop out. It doesn't matter if they're there, they're there. If they're not, they're not. Whatever. Big deal. So if you if now this is your baby, so you want to set it up. It sounds like you want to have some continuity to it. One of the things you can do is tell people, look, we plan to play for about four hours. The goal is to complete every adventure. You know, every session we want it completed. We're at the end of this. At the end of this night, you should be back in town. If not, if this is a big one, you say, "Hey, Brett, you know, Ange, Kevin, you're going to go in there. I'm just telling you three. This is a four session game. This is a deeper dungeon. To complete this thing, you're signing your character up, so that the three of you are going to be playing this thing for four sessions. So perhaps a thing you can do is measure." the different story arcs, right? So Brett's campaign of the Dwarven Mines, Frank House's Elven Wood, and Sean's, um, <clears throat> you know, Tomb of the Mighty have markers on them, stars, something that says, hey, Tomb of the Mighty is one session. It's four hours, man. You're in, you're out, you're done. Frank House says, yeah, you're in and out of the woods. Fine. Brett's an asshole and says, no, we're going to the Dwarven Mines. I'm getting two sessions out of you. Because you can't complete this in one session. So that, then from a player's perspective, they go, wow, that's a big one. We're in? Are you in? Are you in? You in? Good. Because we're in for two sessions, right? You guys are in? Good, good, good. All right, great. Now you can have the magic of, well, so-and-so got sick, wasn't able to make it, and Bratslet shows up and says, look, I'm in. I just, I, you know, fine. We can drop a new character in or whatever. But you, the idea... You know, you can work that out with a game master, but the idea is you can marker each of the adventures and how many sessions they're supposed to be. We've all game mastered long enough. If it's you, Frank House, and I, we should be able to say, look, I get this done in four hours, or it's going to get done in eight, right? It's one or two sessions. And then tell the players straight, look, if you're going into the tomb, you're going to be there for one, for one session. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, and I think it would behoove the GM to say, okay, we're at the end of the four hours. You guys probably would want to go back unless they're actually trapped and can't go back to town to, to, you know, rest or whatever. That would be one, one idea. Mm -hmm. And then they would, then they could always go back with the same characters or different ones. Or you could always say, all right, it's five players and two people can't show up, but two other people can. So three from the original group, two new people that didn't go through session one or the first half of the temple of the mighty. And the other three players are like, hey, we want to get back there. Two people are like, no, go ahead with us. Without us, we can't. And mm -hmm. maybe substitute and two people, big deal. Hand wave it, not a biggie. They have to get filled in on the first half, and then they find themselves in the caverns, whatever, or the temple. Yeah, okay. I don't think that's a bad deal. No, that's a good Yeah, idea. so I think they got this nipped in the bud. <clears throat> this is good. I mean, and now, so what we did here is apart from the fun of just, you know, busting Sean's chops over this. But I think this type of thing, this is one of the reasons why it's it's fun to have gamer buddies, men, women you can get together with. They can sit down with 
Ange and Sean and go, fuck, well, I want to do this thing. And somebody has to challenge you. I mean, this is the thing we can, we as gamers can do say, Brett, what do you have? What does it take for you to run the goddamn Wraith game? I got a little bit of shit because I'm like, yeah, I should do this. I should do that. And finally, the reason I ran Wraith as a game at GameholeCon was because Beatty said, Brett, run the goddamn game. Dave Beatty just gave me enough shit. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I better just fucking step up, put on my big boy pants and run the goddamn game at Evercon. That's what I'm going to do. Um, so there, I did it. I it, it's um it's one of those things where everybody operates differently. Brett, sometimes you tell you challenge me. Sometimes it's just the perfect thing. And other times we look at our fellow gamers and say, "Look, I want to help you do this. What can we do to help?" And that's the other thing. I think players, in this case, other game masters, say, "Look, I can accomplish this. I can play on Tuesdays. I can play here." Um, <clears throat> and the other piece is that it sounds like Sean. In this case, you got a pretty good vision. I think you're not biting off too much. My only advice, I guess, really, is the Occam's Razor component. Keep it as simple as you can, right? There's going to be a problem that's going to pop up in this in this setup that we haven't foreseen. Or you're like, ah, fuck you, Brad. I knew that was going to happen. God damn it, this thing has occurred. Whatever. There'll be, there'll be at most four people involved. You know, three players and a game master. Five, if they count you, to help negotiate what the solution is. It's not that hard, you know. I know some. I know some so, game masters want to play. Yeah, so we can do that yeah. too. I think it's just as simple as saying, "Look, this is how we want to work it," and then again remembering that as long as the theme is the the theme. <clears throat> Excuse me. If the theme is, "Hey, we're playing a West Marcher style game," here are the main components. The town it starts from is safe. We have players that are supposed to game with each other with multiple game masters. In this case. These are things we want to accomplish. Make sure we're gunning towards that. Those are your rules of the road. Everything else, yeah, it's all negotiable. Stick to the theme and you'll be fine. All right. Do you feel better now? Sean? I think so. So, two weeks. Start? Two weeks from now? Uh, no. No. I, Before Christmas I or after Christmas? Week. That's, that's I the think, big beat. Uh, I game this week, starting a Star Trek game. Nah, I'm not running. I'm not okay. Running. Uh, Star Trek Adventures, but I have character generation Tuesday night, and then the next week. Because in, in two weeks is December when this drops on the sixth. Game night. I can't. I can't. I, not, I, 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 I'm just. I'm just telling you. Two weeks is December 18th is that Monday, and that's the week just before Christmas. So Sean would be available to play in this game to to start kind of kicking it off. Would be next week. Would be the earliest. And then the latest would be Christmas week of the 25th. So, yeah. Because Sean's only going to be able to run every other week. That's fair. Okay. That's just the way it's going to go. Now, some of my fellow game masters may run more frequently or alternating weeks, blah, 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 blah. And that's fine. I think it's just a matter of posting on if it's a Google plus community, then just posting like, okay, I'm available this time and, you know, get your group together and sign up and we're, let me know where you want to go. I just got to find a treasure map to throw down for everybody to look at. And don't forget Google calendars too. That's something you can make available to everybody. You can have a calendar and people can yeah put game nights on it and get reminders and all that shit too. So that's another free service that's sure, out there, man. Sure. All right. I think I got a good idea, Brett, cool. Brett, Good. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, yeah. buddy. 
You're welcome, man. I got your back. Let's get into dad roll, <laughs> goddammit. All right, dad roll. Die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points. Game, game, Greek, Greek, Greek. We want to share with you. All right. Brad, go ahead, dude. <laughs> I got two of them. One is a computer program that is apparently a serial killer detector. I think uh, somebody pointed out that this is like guilt by association <laughs> to the highest degree. But does it work? Take does a look it work, at it. Brett? <laughs> it's um, according to the people who built it. Of course oh. it does. I, I see this and I and I'm like this is just this is a wonderful Knights Black Agents. Uh, there's so many different uses for this in the game. It's just amazing. And the other bit I had is some of the latest news on Cubicle Seven's edition of Warhammer Fantasy RPG. Uh, link in the show notes to that. Looks like things are coming along pretty swimmingly there. I'm very excited about that. So that should be pretty cool. Sean, over to you. Virtual sheep for virtual wood. Hands on with the Catan virtual reality. It's an Ars Technica article. So some of you delving into the VR side of things, uh, you can pull up that article and read that. I don't know how exciting Catan would be in the VR world, but nonetheless, it's just a matter of time before roll 20, somebody comes out and puts the death knell in those guys. And unless it'll end up being VR, we'll all be sitting down at a VR table. Exactly. So they'll be like face to face. I remember when things were face to face. Ah, it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> All right. Uh, second one Midlands, low magic sandbox campaign setting. Uh, struck me as interesting. Uh, it is, it does use as a partic- does use a particular skill uh, rule set, but you don't need to use it for the setting itself. We'll have a link in the show notes to our use it via our affiliate link. If you want to check out it on drive through, which is like 10 bucks, it's like 390 pages or something's crazy. Ah, damn for 10 bucks. Wow, it's pretty good though. I, I, it's been going around. Wow. Uh, lastly, concept art from Paul Chaddy. Oh my God. I can't, uh, can't say Paul's last name. Chad Eason, Chad Eason, Chad Eason, Chad Eason. Link in the show notes for inspiration for your sci-fi far future game. So I believe Paul has done concept art for like Blade Runner, um, some other things. So if you want some, it's just fascinating. It's a cool site. Check it out uh, for your hacker cyberpunk ish game. Yeah. Uh, listeners. Yes. So what do we got here? Sky Slayton reminded us of two different things. He pointed us to S. John Ross. He has a big list of RPG plots. Link in the show notes. Sky, I've seen this before, and it's awesome. I like just about everything S. John Ross has done. He's a he's a fun author. He's a really good dude. Um, and Sky also pointed us to a way to modulate your voice for those NPCs. Link in the show notes to a little uh, helpful tool there. Of course, hearkening back to our Funny Voices episode. So that's good stuff. And Kev Thulu found his uh, found us a handy list of vampire feeding options. If you've played Knights Black Agents, one of the fun things from the NBA is to make your vampire be something other than the usual um, Victorian bloodsucker type. And this is uh, yet another option to give you there. And last but not least, Ray Odus gave us a uh, mysterious North Korean ship full of skeletons that has recently <laughs> um, kind of uh, floated ashore. Filled with dead bodies and skeletons, been washed up on the west coast of Japan as, as desperate fishermen are forced uh, further and further out to sea in search of catch. They found this thing, so just fun. It's horrible, but fun from a gaming perspective, I should say. Very cool. 
Oh, and Ray, by the way, man, um, if hopefully you, you are still listening and you hear this one, brother, we got huge review, rave reviews on the Zip Zaps art that was all over for us at Game Con. I just want to call that out one more time, man, and say thank you. That was awesome, and everybody loved it. So thank you very much. It was good stuff. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for everybody sharing links so that we're in the loop. Uh, Brett, what are we talking about next week? <sighs> you know, I've had a... <coughs> Excuse me, a couple different things have been kind of floating around. I'm honestly just not absolutely sure yet. Sean, I'm going to have to hit you outside of here. We'll see what we can come up with. Not sure yet. It'll be fun, though. I know that. Alrighty then. So, okay. Well, wait. The suspense is killing me already. Hey, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what it is once you get this West Marshes thing oh, going off the ground. I'll tell you enough. that. All right. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Well, hey, this has been another episode of Gaming and BS. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following patrons. Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Forrest Gary, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Knights of the Night Crew, Pladian, Remy Bellado, Jason Hobbs, Hobbs, Wayne, Lumrunner, Humfleet, James Carpiona, Ad Caprio, Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnston, Brandon Barnes, Tim Shorts, Dan LaValle, C.W. Mellencamp, Lost Sailor, Graham Miner, Todd McGowan, Misdirected Mark Productions, Old School DM, Jason, Christopher Gray, Finolf, Merkel Froelich, Eileen Barnes, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Todd Crapper, Jim Fitzpatrick, Michael Drescher, with Static, Alexander Auerbach, Rodrigo Beowulf, Neil Benson, Ron Blessing, Chris Steele, Eric DeHoff Hoffman, Soldiers of Misfortune RPG, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Gordon Cranford, Mark Tasaka, Larry Hout, Evan Harrison Cast. Ray Otis, Mark, CMG Clover, Eli Kurtz, Ron Bishop, Stefan Dragonspawn, Craig Huber, Xavier G, JV, John Hammersley, Derelict Radio, John Steve, Jared Rasher, Mark Richmond, Thomas Hook, Jonathan Talby, Blake Ryan, Chad Glamon, Sky, and Roger Braslett. For the cost of a coffee shop coffee, you could support the show for an entire month. Consider heading over to gamingabs.com forward slash Patreon. That's P A T. R-E-O-N. Thanks, patron friends. Thanks, everybody. This This has has been been a Litterbox Studio production. production.